It's Thursday, April 11th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 256. Just shout fish at the top of your lungs. It's actually very fun. Runtime for this episode is 46 minutes. And welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that's just going to get up early, go out on the boat, have a nice, relaxing fishing trip. My name is Jeremy. I once caught the Hylian Loach. I'm Tyler. Fish! My name is Zach. Yep, I was waiting for it. That certainly popped. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, what can I say? Just the audio on this one. Yeah, already. Already the compressor doesn't know what I, I to do I went with low that. and Zach... <laughs> ended the universe <laughs> hey we're playing sega bass fishing this week i just kind of wanted to go into a segue on all the fishing mini games we were talking about right before we recorded we didn't even talk about harvest moons harvest moon yeah. monster hunter world stardew final valley. fantasy 15 started well stardew, stardew valley, valley is harvest yeah. moon of the same game it's got a very different fishing mini game though i believe i'll you. accept that i, I actually i, I want to play stardew valley but i and i own stardew valley but i couldn't get into stardew valley that's, that's weird to me alex bounced off of it too and she like harvest and moon seems like I, her game and i love harvest moon 64 and it is the most harvest moon 64 game since harvest moon 64. i know right so i was I, like why can't i get into like, this what if this had a little bit of minecraft in it and some sprinklers and i'm like you'd make the best game ever <laughs> thank you i think it's actually like a time like once you get about an hour in you start getting to the like the good stuff like um, my first day, the first time I slept, it was activating those cycle feelings. But you know what I should person. do? I haven't picked it up yet, though. So. I should get it on my Switch. Yes. Yeah, that might be the trick. Because I have it on my computer, and the problem with my computer is that I have all these other games that I could be playing. Yeah, and it's definitely like Harvest Moon is weirdly a time waster game, which is weird, but... I mean, it is great for listening to podcasts, too. I was going to say... Uh, it is a very zen game, but I think when I usually play like a zen game, it's usually stuff like Super Robot Wars. Yeah. But that's hard enough to keep you engaged, but easy enough that you don't really have to think about it. It's more because Super Robot Wars is mostly spectacle because when you engage the combats, you get the uh, lots like, of cutscenes, long cutscene of the actual attack animation. And you get that nice theme cutting in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, more of this Gal Gygar theme, please. <laughs> that is the thing that I'm most sad about, T, that they don't have cross Ange, so that bitchin' theme song isn't in there anymore. I was say Rune Factory Frontier, I definitely did that with because it was on the DS and I just like I played that while doing literally anything else. And like that the combination of those two things. Was that was one that I also want, really wanted to get into, but kind of bounced off of a little bit more. You need to be doing something else with it. It's like especially the combat, not great, but also enough that you kind of have to pay attention. Like, it's like Kirby, actually, like the early Kirby games. It's like it's not occupying enough on its own. You need something else. So since you haven't been playing Harvest Moon or any of its derivatives, what have you been playing, Zach? While well, doing something else at the same time. Only. Nothing, nothing. To be we fair. don't want to hear about Zach's porn games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just material girl living I give those in a Tyler. material guy. I, I hid that out of my library, so you know. <laughs> so All right. Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, so I actually finally got around to putting Tokyo Mirage Sessions into my Wii U, and I discovered something. It's a good game. Well, I already knew that. The last game I put in my Wii U was Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, that, that tracks. Ah. That tracks. Yeah. 
It was the last game that came out on Wii U, so that makes sense. Well, I would have thought it would have been like Bayonetta 2, since I really didn't like Breath of the Wild, so I figured I would have changed it out for something else. But I, I put in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and turned out I was about 60% of the way done with the game. I totaled out at about a 50-hour playtime on that, so it's a bit shorter than like Persona, which I did notch an 80-hour playtime. It's fun. Like There's a couple of things that are annoying, but they're not really playability annoying. So it's been a bit. It's basically Fire Emblem, except with a Shinten no, flavor. No, it's basically Shinten with a Fire Emblem flavor, because it's got more of a Persona combat engine okay. than a Fire Emblem combat engine. So you have the turn-based combat system, and then if you actually get a, a hit somebody on a weak point, like, you know, get one of the things they're weak to, like in Persona, but instead of stunning the enemy... It triggers what is called a session, and then all of your characters, from what you've set up, like what moves will lead into their moves, will attack the same character. Okay, so it's more like ahead of time you set up like what parties are going to be good together and move them around together? Not kind quite, because no, you okay. have different, like, it doesn't matter who triggers the session, it matters what type of move it is. So if I have somebody use a lance attack, and somebody else has a move that goes from lance into an electrical attack... It'll trigger that attack, and then if somebody after them has a move that triggers off to the electrical attack, provided they haven't already gone, it'll trigger that one, and then all the way down through all seven of your characters. Do they have to be anywhere near? No, because you have a party of three. Okay. You have a party of RPGists in your imagination. Gotcha. It's it's a party of three people on the field at any one time, but anybody can participate in one of these sessions. I was thinking Digital Survivor, where you actually make parties and move them around, but then the combat's like JRPG, but you move in. Oh no! It's it's it, it is not like that. It's a fun game. One of the things that I found kind of annoying, but I really like the effect of, are the ad-lib performances and the duo arts, which seem to be random triggers. So they like will randomly superpower a particular move for the ad-lib performance. And if it's a duo art, you'll get a special move that consists of two of your party members, which does a, a specific effect. Usually it'll pop up two of those and you'll get to pick which one you use. And they all have like a slightly different effect. Some of them hit everybody and heal you. Some of them trigger confuse or charm or something like that. Like they all have this performance aspect to them because Mirage Sessions is all about like... Sessions, basically. Idols, right? basically. Yeah. It's, it's all idols and whatnot. It's it's a fun game. Like, I mean, three, four-year-old game here. I'm going to spoil some of these things because honestly, people who wanted to play it probably already have and people who don't care... Or they're waiting for that Switch remake. Or they're waiting for that <laughs> Switch remake, which hopefully uses the Japanese version. Or they're me, and now is about the time I would play it anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you want to borrow it, you have a Wii U. I own the game. I'll loan it to you. Exactly. But to the end of the game, you actually go up against the Shadow Dragon, not God. Because, you know, they had to find somewhere else for Fire Emblem other than just the names of the enemies. Well, I mean, Persona, you fight God. Yep. Yep. Usually it's some sort of false god. At the end of Persona 3, you kind of fight the moon, but it's God. I uh, was going to say, isn't Shadow Dragon one of the Fire Emblem subtitles? Yes, it's, it's the, the subtitle of the remake of the original. Okay. And that's where this one draws all of its, like, Fire Emblem character names from Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and Awakening, which was the newest one at the time the game was made. Also, Awakening's just really good. It it's is like, also really good. So... You fight God, and then once you beat God, or fight, fight the Shadow Dragon and beat the Shadow Dragon, because of course you do, you get like a, one of the things that I always appreciate, you get like an epilogue. So you can see like, well, here's where all of your characters went and what they all did. Quick interjection. Joe, insats, It's Tyrant Immolation Way from Yu Yu Hakusho. It's very good. Uh, yeah, it's huh. like the best goddamn attack name. Yeah, uh, and they changed it to Dragon of the Darkness Flame, which is also pretty good. It's pretty it's good. no Tyrant Immolation Wave. Um, okay, whatever. So you get the you get the epilogue and it tells you here's what all your characters did when you finish it because all of your mirages, all the Fire Emblem characters go back to their own world because they don't need to be here anymore and they're going to try and you know put that back together because 
their world is in tatters, they're going to put it back together because they can. And throughout all this, one thing that didn't come up is like, what did your character do? Because he was also in training to be like a star, but was never really into it. And I was sitting there like, you know, it it would make a lot more sense if this guy just became like a glorified roadie. Because (laughs) that's kind of what he's been doing the entire game is backing everybody else up helping he's just everybody a really else. good roadie <laughs> he's just jack black's character at the start of heavy metal what is that game uh, uh <sighs> no i know what you're brutal, brutal legend. legend yep that's it um, not heavy metal at all but but what actually ends up happening is the company president reignites her modeling career and puts your character who has more character than like joker from persona 5 like he actually is a member and a character in the game not just kind of a blank slate lens yeah for seducing teachers with (laughs) and like she goes back to her modeling career and puts him in charge as the president of the entertainment company speaking of heavy metal and like i thought that was a perfect way to end it because that is exactly kind of what the character was kind of leaning towards especially with the whole lord aspect because your guy was never really into the whole be an idol or be a performer thing as everybody else was what a japanese idea continue what we're going to make a JRPG where y'all play aspiring pop idols who have fire emblem characters they channel to fight demons with. I mean, that's almost a Persona game, which is oh. the idea. Yeah, like, it's it's a great game. My, my biggest problem, like, inherently with the game is actually more of with the censorship of certain aspects of the game, which... I hate censorship to begin with. That's probably not come up very often on the on the podcast. It's come up incredibly often on the podcast. Has it really? Yeah, because you have know. an axe to grind, and you like this is your axe grinder. There are a couple of really weird ones. Was it just regular grinder? Yeah, we had a yeah. um, me and Jeremy were actually talking about it because again, this is an axe I have to grind. I really hate this kind of thing. But I had a thought as I was going into work one day, and I realized that one of the one of the bigger chunks of censorship that they did. Might have been because of rating, and Nintendo might not have wanted them to get to an M rating, so they changed this particular segment so that it wouldn't end up with an M rating. Nintendo is really against getting its own games with an M rating. That is very true. So that was just the theory. I don't know what caused it. I mean, I was meaning to rewatch the censored gaming that actually did more research into this topic. There is at least one censorship thing that was really dumb, and it just looks really stupid and looks really, really low effort. They changed one of the costumes, and it basically looks like they just spray-painted it white. Usually they do. It was really low effort, and I thought it was really dumb. But, like, other than that, which, honestly, I read one article that was really like, I'm not going to play it because of censorship, and I'm like, it's like, I mean, yeah, I hate censorship too, but the game's playable. They didn't really screw up that much. I mean, it makes a couple of the dialogue lines in that chapter a little awkward because of the change, but it's not like, oh my god, this is such a bad thing now. Well, he's going to start a one-man boycott. Good luck with that. I mean, the problem is you need to be very charismatic for that to have any effect. I would definitely like to see Mirage Sessions as one of those games that gets ported from the Wii U to the Switch. And I don't, like, I'm not a programmer. I don't know that much about it. I don't think it would be that difficult to port the game. I am a programmer and I don't know that much about it. Most of the stuff that is used on the Wii U gamepad could easily be used in just another menu option. And it wouldn't even be that hard. Because most of it is little things like, I got a contact from one of my teammates. Or enemy weaknesses and whatnot, which already kind of appear on the screen. So it's a definitely a fun game. If you can find it for nice and cheap because it was a Wii U game. Well, actually, it might be rare So because it was a Wii U game and therefore nobody bought it. I got it for Christmas this year, and I don't think it was. I think it was below market price. So. Okay. And well, it also is available on the Wii U Virtual Console Shop. I guess not Virtual Console the Shop. Nintendo the Nintendo eShop. The Nintendo eShop. So yeah, there's no reason for it. As long as that continues to exist. So, 
I would definitely give it a look because the characters are fun. It's a fun story. I mean, is it a little silly? Yes. I but mean, that's kind of its thing. That's kind of its thing. And if we really break it down, a lot of storylines that are anime inspired or anime like are a little silly. I am playing through all the Kingdom Hearts games right now. There is that. I actually went ahead and I started a new game plus on it because I was curious. And it actually gives you a assortment of options as to what to pick. Like, so I think I went with don't or reset my level. So I'm level one. Reset all of my skills. Keep all my carnages, which is basically all my weapons. The carnages? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is the most anime damn game that keep exists. Keep my keep my items and keep my map because I thought the map would be really m- a lot more useful when it came down to it. I so far it hasn't really been, but I mean, most of the dungeons are fun to interact with. There is one dungeon that I think is poorly designed, and that's more a factor of like they give you a bunch of hints up at the top of the screen as to which door is which. And you're supposed to follow the instructions on like a notepad you get. But the only way to figure that out is to remember where they were. And there's like 10 of them. So what I did to get around this was I took a picture of the screen with my phone. (laughs) So, yeah, definitely a game worth checking out. I would recommend highly because it is a lot of fun. I wish I'd finished this game a couple of years ago, but I finished it. I had a lot of fun with it. Well, it sounds way up my alley. It's like campy. It's Shinten. It's Fire Emblem. All of these things are my things. Um, also, I got really excited there. I don't know if you noticed. I did. Um, about New Game Pluses. I'm like, what games have I played recently that have a New Game Plus? And Tales of Asturias is on the top of the list. And it just occurred to me, you gave me a copy of Tales of Bazuria, which I have not played yet. Yes, and I wasn't expecting you to because you never play games like you I do. literally forgot I had it until just now, and I'm almost done with Assassin's Creed. So I know what I'm playing next. I'm going to finally play a game <laughs> Zach gave me. <laughs> next up, Material Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, all, all these years later, I'm sure that game has a new game plus, right? It's just all the porn content unlocked immediately. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mirage Sessions, definitely worth checking out. A lot of fun. I mean, it gets my seal of approval, which I guess doesn't say much. Yes and no. I feel like the games Zach gives a seal of approval to generally tend to be good games, but like... I did have a remember... Random One of those games. weird remembrance things of... There's a cutscene early on in the game because it has a lot of these like cutscenes because, again, performance oriented game and one of your characters is wearing a costume that i don't think they can get like to actually wear later on i'm like i remember this costume now and i remember being depressed that i couldn't get it because i think it's her best cost or best outfit in the entire game so it made me a little bit sad but at the same time the game's still fun so i'll deal with it also this entire discussion has made me just want to play uh another devil survivor i think there's a devil survivor 2 now i'm pretty sure there is um, and the first one is really good. And uh, other than that, I played a bunch of uh, MechWarrior Online because, duh. Obviously. Um, they released the Corsair, which is another PGI original mech. And with the last patch, they actually released a bunch of uh, the old maps. Like, the maps that I actually remember playing on when I played it the first time around, or a couple of them at least. And man, you can tell that some of these maps, at least the Forest Colony Winter Map, which is one I've played multiple times, um, was designed only for eight people on either team. Because, man, with 12 people on either side, it makes it feel like that map is a knife fight in a telephone booth. I feel like that was it's, one of our favorite Counter-Strike maps, though, was basically that, where you have, like, four channels and it's tiny. I don't remember over much, but, like, I think the map is... I, I find it fun. It's just small as compared to everything else. Well, it gets a match over with quickly, and it's not necessarily skill-based. Well, it's not even... It, I think it's still skill-based. It's more a matter of you don't have the 30-second run-up for all the people, and it tends to keep the two sides a little bit closer together. I did have a, a game in which I was playing a, my uh, Catapult, which 
is a K2 model catapult with an extra light engine, which makes it very, very vulnerable. I managed to survive and do 740 points of damage with the paired MRM-30s on it by mostly hiding behind a rock, poking out and hoping to God I didn't die because most of my team was down a hill from me like <laughs> lobbing LRMs and stuff at people. I was very much like, I'm going to die. And I'm just like, if you're on a catapult, you should also be down a hill lobbing LRM. See, the the K2 variant of the catapult that I was driving um, has two MRM 30s, which are dumbfire, and two medium pulse lasers. Okay. Um, there's also no, the none K... of those are PPCs, which seems like oh, it's a bad catapult. Okay, no, no so I, really... K5. I, I was driving a K5. The K2 catapult has the two PPCs on it. Okay, are dumbfire missiles at all useful in this game? Because yes, every other mech war I've ever played, they're basically useless. In this game, MRM. Well, one of the things that in in BattleTech in general, SRMs, standard SRMs, are dumbfired and they're close range and they have quick enough cycle time. And they do actually quite a bit of damage. MRMs come in such large sizes that they can do quite a bit of damage. Because, like, LRM rack is 5, 10, 15, 20. MRM racks are 10, 20, 30, 40. But they're dumb-fired, so you have to kind of be aiming in the right You just point in their general direction and say, there's some missiles for you. Pretty much. That's what I was doing a couple times because I couldn't really get close enough because of the way the rock was. And I was hiding from, like, a bigger mech that was loaded down with a bunch bunch of LRMs. So I like poke out from behind it, launch the two thirty racks, and then hide behind the wall again and have it blaring at me, LRMs incoming, as they all impacted the rock I was behind. That that was fun. Anything else, Zach? Nah, not really. Just a lot of mirage sessions. What have you been playing, Tyler? Unfortunately, not a whole lot. Although I think there were some sleeper things on my list, so I'll get to them eventually. Most of what I've been playing is Smash, and man, I have had some amazing matches in that recently. I've been playing doubles specifically recently, which is kind of a crapshoot. So Any reason why? That I've been playing doubles? Yeah. Oh, I love doubles. They're fantastic. The problem is, like, if you're playing with a rando, like, sometimes you get someone who's incredibly bad. And so, s- sometimes you get me, and sometimes you get Jeremy. Yeah, or sometimes you get goddamn Leffen. Does he even play Smash Ultimate? I, I assume, don't know. Actually, probably not. Most of the Melee players don't really. He was splitting his time between Melee and Dragon Ball, so I kind of doubt he picked up. <laughs> That's fair. I know Zero eventually transferred to Zero's Ultimate. playing Ultimate. Yeah. Most of the people who played 4 transferred to Ultimate, but most of the people who played Melee stick with Melee. Yeah, Ultimate is very similar to 4. It took me a little bit to like acclimate. Like It was enough different that I was not immediately good at it, but a lot of my skills from Ultimate transferred. Mostly I got too used to air dodging, which is not a thing you want to do in Ultimate. No. Although I'm actually finding ways to use it a lot more, and probably that's going to get me killed as soon as people learn how to read it. Anyway, so I've been playing a lot of fun double matches with that, which is fantastic. I'm trying to think if there's anything notable. I Oh, yes, yesterday. Actually yesterday in real world recording time, I played a match against two Ganons who ran- randomly got paired together. And I rotated through a bunch of other people because I was bad. I was I was playing Falco, which is not a double character at all. But I really want to get him to Elite. I'm trying so hard. I'm almost there. So I'm assuming the meta is slightly different in doubles as it is from singles? Well, yes and no. Generally, the high-tier characters are high-tier regardless of what situation. But heavy characters tend to do better in doubles. Because as your other character is, like, grabbing someone or something the heavy character can come in and deliver a big hit that they wouldn't otherwise be able to land. So yes, the meta's a little different, but not a huge amount different. Moral of the story, though, these two people were playing Ganondorf, and they were both actually pretty good as Ganondorf. And it was me paired with some rando, and it was a rotating cast of randos, and we played like 15 matches in a row together. It was fantastic. Um, I think I came off a little lower on my GSP than I went in with, but 
it was a fun time. The reason I bring up Smash at all is I today reached the 37 character in Elite mark, which officially marks halfway to getting every character to Elite. Congratulations. Until they release Joker, who I am very excited to play, despite having not played Persona 5. I'm excited for Joker as well, because if people are right, that also indicates that Persona 5 R at the very least may have a female Joker available. Oh, that didn't even occur to me, but they definitely got that into Smash before Awakening was released, and that was a little weird. So, Corrin? You're no, thinking, not awake. That's if. Yeah, sorry. If D- the Pokemon, Some, oh, somebody was looking at it and they found indicators that may show that there's a female protagonist planned for Persona Five R, or at least an available female protagonist choice. Nice. Which I think is cool, but I like Persona Five regardless. Yeah, so. Persona Five should have had that to start. It, yeah. That Persona Four Golden didn't is maybe a crime. It's really silly that it didn't, because yeah. it's not like they had to pay for additional voice acting for the main character. Yeah, say so is the character silent. With the exception of Persona! They have to put in all those sweet, sweet girl and guy relationships, though. They have to figure out who you can romance as a girl. Who would you romance as a girl in Persona 5, now that I say that? All I the other remember. girls. Makoto. Well, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Makoto, but... Probably... But like, I can't remember his name. I can't remember any of the guy social links that are Ryuji. not character... That are not in your party. There's the, the weapons shop dealer... <laughs> You're not dating him. <laughs> uh, your other classmate, whose name I forgot. Um, the, he's the guy that you... Um, what he mainly does is make yeah. it so that you can... Uh, yeah, the your guy people gain... the website? Yeah. You're not dating him either. Mishima, I think, is his name. There are no good romance options for the girls except Makoto. That's why they didn't put it. And Makoto seems like she'd be too concerned about uh, appearing straight because her whole thing is being straight-laced. And Although I guess that's a good character. Never mind. This is fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so definitely looking forward to... Whatever that, an- well, I hope that announcement's going to be something fun, but I-, I love Persona 5. It's a great game. Anything else, Tyler? Yes. What was it? Oh, yeah. No, we finally progressed a little bit in Pokemon Let's Go. Um, I know you've already beaten it. I have. So, I kind of forgot that you hadn't. Yeah, Alex has had it for so long and has played it not for so long. So she has a Pokeball Plus. as mm-hmm. you. I can see it right there. She has had a Caterpie in there forever because she's like, maybe I should start using this because I'm actually trying to run now. To evolve Pokemon, or to level up Pokemon that I don't want to actually have to train to evolve. To complete Is it my like level 70 or something? I don't know. It's still in its Pokeball, but it's been there for over a month. So we're just, I think, tomorrow night going to finally release it from its cage of burdens and see what type of Butterfree it evolves into. I expect it to have Super Bipex. How far did you get in Let's Go, out of curiosity? We are just into Saffron City, so okay. we're, we're nearing the end of the game. Did you go fight Koga first, or are you saving that for later? Uh, no, we already fought Koga. Okay. So, uh, we're getting there. We're getting there slowly. Mostly, I think it's like we have all agreed that, like, Let's Go, while amusing, is maybe not the game for us. Um, I mean, that's fair. Well, especially when you rock in on bully mode. And say, and Amon, even my non-nerd friends, everyone's way more excited about Sword and Shield. Well, yes, you would be. Yeah. I like Let's Go a lot. But I mostly like it as a weird testing ground for some stuff. Exactly. I'm curious to see what they pull in this but, shield. Like, even the people who haven't played Pokemon for, like, a long time since, like, Red or Blue or, like, uh, Gold and Silver, and now, like, because they own Switches, are way more excited about Sword and Shield. Yeah, I'm definitely so. excited about uh, Pokemon Ultra or Pokemon Mash. What? It's a fate reference. It's a, okay. it's a, it's a fate go joke. Thank you. Ultra? Ultra is, her, is officially the name of King Arthur. Because they decided not to make it Artorio for some reason. 
or anything. I guess Ultra, if you say it with a weird Japanese accent, kind of sounds like Arthur. Arthura? Arthuru? I don't hey, know. Arthur. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Anywho, I cannot come up with any of the other games I've been playing, so I'll be sure to interrupt you in about five minutes. What have you been up to, Jeremy? So I wanted to just not play anything until I got my hands in Super Robot Wars T, but I don't have a thousand hours of overtime right now. I'm sure I'll get it the moment I get. So I got bored. and Probably there's got to be some way for me to actually beat T before you do, since mine's going to be here a couple of weeks later. Uh, and I didn't feel like watching anime or Power Rangers. So I started Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Yeah, that's the next logical step. Zach, get ready. I'm going to lob you a softball. I think it might be the bad Kingdom Hearts game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. But uh, so much plot happens in that one. The bad one? The bad one. Because the platforming's bad and the Keyblades don't look good and they used a bunch of PS2 assets and put it on a Nintendo DS. And it's Uh. all the the characters are all the Organization 13 members, which means they all have the same uniform, but very intricate and detailed face design, so they all look very distinct, that look like they've been pixelated and muddled and stretched to go on the (laughs) DS. So you can't stare at any of the characters' faces too long or you'll go insane. So it's the uh, Lovecraftian horror. I was going to say, vaguely related, I've been playing Call of Cthulhu recently, (laughs) so. (laughs) And they reused a bunch of level designs from Kingdom Hearts 2. What it really feels like is one of them played Monster Hunter, and they're like, we should make this, but Kingdom Hearts. Because you just go on these repeated missions that are kind of in the same area, hunting different Heartless, and it's got a multiplayer mode with, you know, proximity drop-in. Huh. Huh. Uh-huh. That sounds vaguely... But they forgot to put the Kingdom Hearts 2 combat system in, so you just kind of swing your keyblade at things and wonder why they have so much health. And then you do that <laughs> until it says, good job, mission complete. And then you get some story. But it's a weird interquel, so there are lots of stakes problems. As in there are really aren't any? I mean, they've introduced a new character, like you have to in a prequel, and she's probably dead, but this is Kingdom Hearts, so that could mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really can. And also, Kingdom Hearts is very good at giving its characters motivations, and that's one of the things that makes its story work so well. The characters all have strong motivations, but some of them, when you look at their motivations and their actions, there's that South Park question mark, question mark, question mark, somewhere in the middle there. And Axel's a character that I feel like I really should like in Kingdom Hearts. But, like, the way he goes out in Kingdom Hearts 2, like, I kept expecting there to be a reveal about what he was doing and how that made sense given his motivation, but there just kind of isn't. And he's a main character in 358, so I'm like, maybe I'll get that here. Not yet. Is he the clone of the main character or somebody else? That's Roxas, who's the main character. He's his best friend. Yeah, no, Roxas, who is a nobody, and Axel, who is a nobody of a guy who looks identical to him. I think most of them do. Except Roxas. Roxas is pretty identical to Sora. He's just blonde and has a different hairstyle, which in anime makes you look completely different. Exactly. Axel's not nobody. His real self, his true self before he's died, kind of. I don't know how nobodies are made. When you lose your heart, you become a heartless. But if you're strong enough of will, you also become a nobody. And also a Heartless? Yeah, so there are two. The Heartless, like, isn't you in any way. The Nobody retains some of your memories and personality. Okay. The only difference between him and his original form are that they wield completely different weapons, but they're both still on fire. Well, obviously the fire powers... I don't know how Nobody powers work. They just get them. I'm pretty sure Roxas' Nobody power is he can use a Keyblade, which is also Sora's power. So I guess that tracks. (laughs) Uh, 
I don't understand this series. But, I love it, but... But the story mostly, I don't understand this series. I hate it, but I don't understand it. But yeah, the story mostly seems to be about how Roxas and... Sor- or, or, I'm sorry, how Roxas and Axel became friends. But the story is mostly they hung out. And then they became friends. Which is pretty much how you do I mean, it, like, but... That is normal. Yeah, but it doesn't make for, like, a compelling and interesting <laughs> story that makes me desperate to see the next cutscene after each mission. I mean, yeah, if you're trying to... <laughs> As we're just, like, getting fries together. <laughs> it's mostly ice cream. They, they have a spot on the clock tower where they hang out and eat ice cream together. Uh, they meet every day after work and talk about how the mission went. I so mean, they're just saying that. <laughs> if you want to create a... Uh, not a franchise, but if you want to create a, like, a compelling story where you want really care about the success or failures of the characters you need to have them do some more things than they just hung out because that's what i do in real life to become friends with people i know or as it's boring right or as the case may be get dragged because other people i know are friends with them and it's boring right also awkward in the second case that's just how i met most of my friends Uh uh-huh there's definitely a bit where Axel's like, hang on, I have to go be in Chain of Memories real quick. I'll be back in a little bit after uh, the timeline sinks back up. <laughs> and that's when you Roxas meets the new character. And you're like, you're my friend too now. So I'm going to introduce you to Axel after this is over. And it's Everything's going to be awesome. And there's definitely one uh, awkward interaction where they're all hanging out. And Roxas is in the middle trying to get them to be friends until they finally click on oh, something. Oh man, I have lived that situation <laughs> yeah. multiple times. So, so like it's realistically written. It's just like... Like I said, not a super compelling story and not super compelling gameplay. I've only been on one of the people on the ends. I don't think I've ever been the dude in the middle. I am actually almost always the dude in the middle. So I know you were one of the people on the ends when Chris introduced me to you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's happened Although to we, me before. But we clicked pretty quick. Yeah, it's because we're both huge nerds. Actually. Yeah, I mean, and you're the same person as Jeremy, so that made it easier. Yeah, exactly, right? So that's pretty much all I've been playing. Is Kingdom Hearts the Oh God, Why? Yeah. Well, it's maybe not that bad. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it is. It's Kingdom Hearts. You just define the whole franchise. Oh, no, God, why? No, it's oh, demigods, why? I mean, the various demigods. Oh, hey, that's the other thing I did recently. I there forgot it is. about that. Yeah, no, I knew I would get there. You can finish the no, routine. That's pretty, I'm oh, pretty that much wrapped up. Okay. So the other thing I've been playing, obviously, is Assassin's Creed, and I kind of beat the game. I guess. How did you kind of beat the game? I think it has like four different endings. Kind of. Okay, that would track. So you get to a certain point in the game where you, like, start opening up a bunch of different quest plot lines, but a lot of them seem optional-ish. So I went off and did one of the optional-ish ones, and I guess spoilers for a one-year-old game that probably no one's ever going to beat. It's like an eight-month-old game, but go on. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So they were like, if you pay any attention to the Assassin's Creed plot line, and boy, I sure didn't until I played this game. I don't think anyone did. I think... Zach may make fun of the Kingdom Hearts story, and it's fine. He doesn't like it. He can do it all he wants. But I'm pretty sure that the Assassin's Creed plotline is an eldritch horror, and if you stare at it too long, you will go mad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some people tried to keep track of the Assassin's Creed plotline at one point, and, and then I, it just they are became now too boring. that run around waving their arms, talking about how the end is nigh Cthulhu Patagon. Anyway, Tyler. So, 20 to 30 second recap on what the hell Assassin's Creed Was is Was there about. an apple laser? No. Yes, but no. There are an ancient race of people called the Isu, who are basically the gods of old legend. But also, everything's a simulation anyway, which is why they can talk to you from the future. And then Yui Ikari had a child who she thought could be God, but the guy she married was just a total dick. 
who was too obsessed with her and couldn't raise his child properly. And then Altair <laughs> happened. I, I don't I'm know. sorry, Jeremy's comment about an Apple laser just made me think of a, the eye new, laser. <laughs> new from Apple, the eye laser. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, so moral of the story, there's those people who, gods, who are gods, but it's heavily implied that they're actually just, like, everything's a simulation anyway, which makes a lot of sense because all the Assassin's Creed's games are simulations canonically. So. It's meta. It's very meta. At some point during this, a god is talking to you from the future, but they're talking to you, the character in the simulation, and she's like, it's fine, we'll just change the simulation, so the next time you pop in, it'll be different. And the character you're playing in the actual simulation is like, what the hell are they going on about? This is really weird. Um, and then you pop out of the simulation, you're like, huh, that was really weird. And then, yeah, anyway. So uh, you got the dog ending from Silent Hill. Exactly. <laughs> so at some point you get the staff of Hermes Trismegistus, I think, uh, which is like the stereotypical like staff of Hermes. The two the, snakes. Yeah, the two snakes. I forget what it's actually called. The uh, Caduceus? It might be a Caduceus. There's a Caduceus and the other one, and I can't remember which is which. Moral of the story is you get that in a Grant's Immortality, basically, and then you pop out of the simulation, and then the main character of the game is there like, hey, I got the Staff of Immortality. You remember that from five seconds ago? And you're like, whoa, you're alive? And you're like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. And then you give yourself, I guess, the Staff, and then you die. But also now you have the Staff of Immortality, and then you're like, you know what? I haven't seen everything yet. I should go back into this open world game I've been playing. I mean, I should see the rest of this person's life. So it's like the end of Final life. Fantasy 15, where it's like, hey, if you want to do some more open world stuff, you know the fun part of the game? <laughs> we have this nice time travel thing here. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Before Iggy was blind. Oh, man, I feel bad for Iggy now. That's it. That was a whole don't thing. Don't worry, it'll be fine in Final Fantasy 15 too. They're oh. making that, aren't they? Well, they did cancel the second round of dlc for it so maybe which not, is a little sad because a lot of them sounded pretty interesting the ignis one sounded pretty interesting yeah the prompto one feels like it should have been in the the other ones feel like they should have been in the game like not like they're actually cut content i think it was them mostly actually doing a good job of creating stories that could have taken place in that game but since that game feels so disjointed it feels like they should have just been in that game Anyway, we played Sega Bass Fishing this week. Hey, yes, hey, Final Fantasy yep, 15 I was and say, Fishing minigame in Noctis. Speaking of Final Fantasy 15, also Harvest Moon came up at some point during this episode, I think. I think that was before we recorded. Maybe, I don't know. We were talking no, I about, think we were talking about it at the very beginning where we were on mics talking about fish. Yeah, Maybe. we were talking about fishing minigames at some point during the evening. And hey, guess what this is? Except it's not just a minigame. It's, it's a macro game. It's the macro game. We decided to play this game initially because I was joking around with the other two and... Uh, I never took it as a joke. I was like, oh, yeah, that game's pretty good. No, actually, no, you brought it up as... I was joking. You brought it up as, we should play this game. That was a joke, and they were like, oh, no, it's on sale. We should definitely play this game. That was not a joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes, I was initially just messing around with everybody. Then I realized, no, this is totally a good idea. It's an arcade fishing game. Like, that's kind of what it Have is. Have you ever wanted to play Racing USA, but catching fish instead of racing? Cruising I USA? Racing USA. <laughs> Okay, Tyler's invented a new game. We should play that soon. It might exist. It probably does. It's probably like Cruising USA's Redheaded Stepchild. It's one of those late 90s Sega arcade games that was destined to always be on the Dreamcast, but Sega was still making arcade games because of all the arcades they owned and still do in Japan, and them having a huge stake in the arcade market, and Nintendo kind of trouncing them at the console market, and then Sony came, and oh no. But like a lot of those games, it works really well. It's very fun, and I... 
will put my cards on the table. I only played it for 11 minutes this week, but I have played it before and it works pretty well. You start out by picking a lure, basically, and they all function differently. One of the problems with this game is I think it has some kind of deep systems, but they're almost too deep for an arcade game. I don't really want to go read a guide on what lure I should be using. Yeah, especially because you can't really change the lures out. Once you've picked one, you're stuck with that one until you complete the stage. You can hit Y to change the lure. Am I just that stupid? I tried all the buttons because I couldn't figure out how to turn the boat around or go somewhere where I wasn't (laughs) just casting my line like at the dock. And so I tried all the buttons to try to... Is there a way to change that? No, I don't think there is. But I assumed there was because it looks really funny. Like it worked. I caught some fish that way. But I just wanted to make sure I wasn't that colossally so stupid. The lures actually have no guide about them, really. It's mostly just the harder the lure rating, the bigger fish you're likely to catch. Well, it also does tell you where they lure, like kind of how the lures are supposed to work, as well as which like depth you're supposed to try and keep them at. Doesn't matter as far as I can tell. Well, that's what there's. That, that's what the theory was. Is what they're supposed to do. I don't know if it actually works, but, but that's what it's listed as. I mean, there's not a whole lot here, but it's weirdly fun. Like I had a lot of fun. I played it for I think more than almost more than half an hour, but I don't remember the exact listing. I played on. about a half an hour. So you cast your fishing line like you'd expect. You can slowly reel in, and you see the fish kind of below the water starting to react. When one of them finally bites the line, it says "fish" in a <laughs> rainbow of colors, and then which converges into a single word fish it's like having double vision that slowly results and i think itself. that's one of the things that makes it so fun is a lot of the design is just visually really really good and that's super satisfying well it's kind of like one of the reasons i like heroes of my magic 3 which we have yet to talk about on the podcast but like it's not actually that good a game but like the visual and audio cues make it seem a lot more grandiose that's than a it lot is. of good game design yeah honestly it's playing to the audience like we talked about last week shadow of the ninja isn't fun when you're Attacking the enemies and playing, the hit feedback isn't good. Getting a fish on the line is fun. So then you reel in. You have a line tension thing. Uh, You have to kind of go left and right, and the game will tell you, go left, go right. And there's a (laughs) when the line tension is about to break, it starts flashing red to tell you, hey, slow down there, partner. I lost a couple of really big fish that way. I will say this is an exceptionally 90s game. Just like all the audio cues. I mean, yeah, you've got Terry Bogard in the boat. Yeah, Terry Bogart, are you okay? Bust a bass! And if you manage to reel in a fish, uh, there's a pretty good, okay, good job, you got an average fish. Which I'm sure sounds great if it's like, you got a whopper! But when it's like, average fish, you're like, oh, thanks, thanks arcade game. There's like an animation of your guy pulling it out of the water and holding it up. And if you catch a big fish, there's actually a different animation because he has to like lean underneath the weight of it. Because like, I think my biggest fish was like a 20-pounder. That's a pretty big fish. It's a pretty big fish. Um, That's a lot of fish. It's a kind of a cool animation, and it, it makes you feel you know, kind of proud of yourself. I managed to pull this thing in, especially after it uh, pops up on the screen of how big it was. And to progress through like each new stage, you need to get a certain score. So basically, you need to catch a certain pounder's worth of fish. You're also on a time limit. One thing I don't like about this game is instead of counting down like a typical arcade game, you timer counts up. And then just when you get the to the limit, it just says like, OK, your time's over. How very sonic of it. <laughs> I thought it did count down. No, it counts up to 10 minutes, which is kind of odd. Like anything ever. At the very least, though, in the one the version, or at least not the version, the uh, the mode that I ended up selecting, you can just hit start and continue playing because it's, an, it's a direct arcade port. Yeah, I was playing the story mode. Which, well, I guess it's actually tournament mode. Okay, yeah. so that might be but, a little different. In the arcade mode, yeah, you can just because the the arcade mode, I think it does count down. The, the tournament mode slash story mode may not. Yeah, it's a weird choice, but like they're saying, it's a fun game. The game feel is just very good. 
it's a little hard to recommend sitting around and playing it, but as an arcade game, putting in a quarter and getting your quarter out of it is very good. And it was only a dollar ninety nine, I think. Dollar nineteen when we bought it. Yep. Yeah, and it's On way sale. more worth than that. Way more worth than that. It's yeah, worth, maybe way more no, that. way more worth. And even um, then, I think it's uh, I think it's baseline price is only like two or three dollars. I'm like, it's I not would, that expensive. Like, this is definitely a game. If I saw it in an arcade, it may not be my first choice, but it's definitely one I would play and not regret having spent a quarter on, or like fifty cents. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to go into over much detail because we're not talking an epic plot line it's or antagonist. To analyze, but it all works pretty well. I think it's going to rate decently when we get to that and point. It's, it's got very strong presentation. Like, it, it, yeah. And that's actually really where it excels is the presentation. Like, the mechanics are pretty simple. There's maybe some depth there, but it's not a huge. It's mostly, like, everything just... They blended all the pieces of it together very well and put some, like, really exciting visuals and audio Which cues over actually it. actually makes sense since this was intended as an arcade game. Yeah, you want to have yeah. the flashing lights and be very presentable because people walking by are going to see it and be like, ooh, what is this? Let, let me like, try this. We played a lot of arcade games and not all of them are good. Or like, what is it even called? Like Big Deer Hunter, Big Buck Hunter? I know which one you mean. Yeah. Big the, Game Hunter? Yeah, Big Game Hunter. Like that one, it feels like it occupies a similar category in my head. And like, I'd way rather play this one just because of the feedback cues are so much better. Do we have any final thoughts other than it's pretty fun? If you can get it for cheap, which it's on Steam, it's pretty cheap. Uh, it's worth... Picking up, in my opinion, for a game that you can just, like, zen out and not really worry about too much, because there's literally nothing to worry about here. It's, oh, God, no, the fish got away, and since you're not, like, overly concerned about dumping more and more quarters into it, it's not a whole lot to worry about. You don't have to do anything. Just chill out, play a video game. That's a lot of fish! That is indeed a lot of fish. Um, That said, it does have a sequel, I think, which is also on Steam for about the same price, and I'm curious to see whether or not that's a better game. Like, this is a game I will probably pick up occasionally, maybe, I don't know, I'll leave it installed, it doesn't take up that much space, and I may or may not go back and, like, randomly play it sometimes. I'm just wondering if the sequel is, like, the same thing, but with, like, a few more mechanics, which I think is something I want out of it. All right, so speaking of more mechanics, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. The best mechanics are in Chrono Trigger. Uh, Lu- Luca, awesome. She's a great mechanic. Uh, whoever the mechanic is for the current city connection is awful and should be fired. He, I don't think he has one, and I think that's why it's so low. There are no mechanics in Harvest Moon. That's oh, you say that, but there's a guy who installs your milking machine for you. Yeah, he's clearly an inventor, not a mechanic. Uh, that's fair. Maybe a mechanic is his day job. So a little above the halfway point, we have a similar Sega arcade game from the same era, which is Crazy Taxi. So I think that's a good place to start. I think Crazy Taxi plays a little better. I agree. I do too. Like, I would like a little bit more timing Crazy Taxi when I'm playing it. But I think the game is not only better, I think it does hold up a little better. It's got got more going on. I mean, this one does have a lot of presentation, but Crazy Taxi Taxi also does, and it plays better. There's just more to, like, you have to take more in mind when you're playing Crazy Taxi, which is maybe kind of the point, but... So a little bit below that, we have a NES sports block, and this is technically a sports game. Technically, so, yes. So how do we think it compares to golf for the NES? Much better. Much I better. I'd l- I would much rather play Sega Bass Fishing, and I never thought I would say that about anything. <laughs> I mean, we have other sports games on the list that might be more of a contender, but... So not too high above golf. Between these two, we have Mario Golf. How do we think it compares there? That's actually a tough question. I feel like Mario Golf is... 
surprisingly entertaining, but also at the same time surprisingly boring. And Mario game, Golf is just golf. If it was Mario Golf with like what they did with tennis, where they actually implemented a lot more Mario-esque things in it and made it a little bit more like radical exactly. golf or something, then I would probably say Mario Golf goes above it. But I think Sega Bass Fishing, in part because it does present itself a lot better than Mario Golf does. And that's actually about the same argument I was just about to make, is that Mario Golf is basically just golf, and Sega Bass Fishing is like fishing, but in a much tighter loop. There are two games between Crazy Taxi and Mario Golf. I think the more comparable one is how does it compare to Super Dodgeball? Does favorably, in my opinion, abjectly. There, <laughs> I will I be hard to convince on this one. I did enjoy playing Sega Bass Fishing, but I think I would agree with Tyler. I think uh, Super Dodgeball is a bit better of a game. So the final question, is it better or worse than Ninja Gaiden? Worse. <laughs> God. Ninja Gaiden has a lot more going on. Like, it's got some cheesy things, and it's not the most well-put-together platformer, but it's got a lot more you have to think about at any given point. The mechanics actually are not much better. Hmm, I may be shooting myself in the foot with this argument. I don't know. I still think I would prefer to play Ninja Gaiden. It holds my attention for longer. I think I agree with Tyler. Like, I don't know which one I think has actually got a better gameplay loop or better challenge. Well, better fair challenge. I, but I think Ninja Gaiden is a bit better in terms of that, you engagement. know, engagement. I want to keep beat. I want to keep playing. I want to keep going. I did have fun playing Sega Bass Fishing, but after about a half an hour, I was kind of on the side of, I think I've gotten all the enjoyment out of yeah, this. I'm gonna that's really about as long as you can play it as a stretch, which was not a bad thing, but it's also not a great thing. So Sega Bass Fishing will go at number 121. Above Mario Golf and below Ninja Gaiden, 14 spots above Sonic the Hedgehog. So I'm the not first sure. one. Yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> yes, actually, so do I. So. <laughs> but that because that game sucks. Um, well, Sega, Sonic the Hedgehog two is, I think, top 50, isn't it? I think it was 27 when I was looking earlier. It's so. way up there. Below Hardest Mood 64. Did you vote at all, Jeremy, in that, or did Zach and I just unanimously agree the entire way through there? Which I don't think has ever happened. I think ever. you agreed all the way through. I agreed with you on every point, but Ninja Gaiden. So I was, you thought it was better than Ninja Gaiden? Yeah, I would have put it above Ninja Gaiden. I was really torn on whether or not I thought it was better than Ninja Gaiden. No, I had a hard time making that one, too, actually. Kinda so, decided. I'm glad we're all torn on it, though. So, And Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is at number 27. Yeah, it belongs up there. All right. So, Tyler, what are we going to play next week? So the thing for which I had definitely prepared, which is why we brought it up this episode anyway. We didn't just figure it out really fast at the last minute. No, we didn't. Um, is Sonic <laughs> 3 not with Knuckles? The only version on Steam is with Knuckles, but if you just don't play with Knuckles, that's just Sonic 3. And also, you can't become hypersonic, a thing that's real. It's more than supersonic. Okay, okay. that makes sense. Has supersonic been introduced by this point? It was Sonic 2. Yeah, it was in Sonic 2. That's what I thought. Um, so yeah, we're so, going to do Sonic 3. So next time on Last Time, Maximum Over Sonic.
This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.